kicking off our 40 days of prayer uh, tomorrow in many ways. You know, the reason why it, it fits nicely, you started 40 days tomorrow and it means you finish on a Friday, which is a great night for a half night of prayer. So we've kind of cheated rather than it counting today as day one. This is like day zero, as it were. So we've heard quite a bit about it already from Dave, but also just through the prophecy that's come, this sort of atomic bomb and the running on the treadmill. And, uh, and I want to look at a story in the Old Testament, which I hope will continue to inspire us uh, and motivate you to say, yes, this is something that you sort of really rise to the occasion of this 40-day prayer period for and the way God wants to use it for us as a church uh, and use it for yourself, really, as we uh, just learn to grow in God and, and learn in prayer. So um, I've called it uh, challenge and privilege because I think it's a great challenge to us, isn't it, to be a church that really engages God in prayer and prays over 40 days and, of course, beyond. But it's a great privilege as well that God uh, calls us uh, to, you know, we're allowed to, he listens to us. We can listen to him, we can respond, we can see him act as we stand in the authority he gives us. And the story comes from Exodus chapter 17, as you can see, and if you want to turn to it in your Bibles, you, you may want to. But the words will come up on the screen. So, uh, first Sunday back here, and not every bit of technology is working perfectly, but we're pretty good here, so I don't have my, my clicker with me. So, actually, I'm going to read it from my sheet, because the screen's not working either. So the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. It's a, it's a comparatively well known story. I'm sure some of you have come across it before and it's a sort of a great picture, a great story of the power of prayer, if you like. It's uh, an illustration, um, uh, a true story from the Israelites uh, going through the wilderness at this time, Moses leading them from uh, out of Egypt to the Promised Land, of prayer winning the battle. This is the very first fight, the very first battle that the Israelite nation had ever had and they've got many more to come and God is really clearly teaching them about where the true source of their victory is going to lie. The illustration, it's not, it doesn't make it absolutely explicit if like that Moses is praying, but there's a whole uh, sort of feel to the passage and the sort of the imagery used is clearly that Moses is interceding on behalf of the Israelites of the battle. So Joshua goes out and fights with a sword, but Moses goes up the hill, which is going up a hill, going up a mountainside is often an illustration of prayer. Raising his hands is another illustration of prayer and the whole staff of God in hand representing his authority before God, like we have authority in God's presence in prayer. It's all a picture of Moses praying and interceding 
uh, and it's his prayers and intercessions that win the battle, as the story indicates. The story starts, um, the Amalekites just attacked the Israelites. It kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, The verses before, there was no indication of it. Uh, The the way the story is concocted is just like out of nothing, as the Israelites are minding their own business, pootling along towards the promised land, and not necessarily doing a great job, if you know the story, they're often getting things wrong before God, but they're off to the promised land, their inheritance, their birthright, and suddenly, out of nowhere, they just get attacked. In Deuteronomy, which is kind of part of the whole first five books of the Bible, where Moses recounts the story to Israelites, he describes it as the Amalekites even attacked them from behind. They were right sneaky, they picked off the stragglers. They weren't manning up and having a proper battle, they were kind of uh, sniping at them. The Amalekites are an ancient enemy of the Israelites. They trace their roots back to Esau, uh, who was the brother, twin brother, of Jacob, which is where the Israelites trace their ancestry back to. And Jacob and Esau didn't get on with each other. Esau was actually the older brother, um, and so he had all the birthrights, he had all the rights, but through the uh, animosity between Jacob and Esau and all the wrangles and fights they had as they were growing up together, meant that the birthrights and all the promises of God and all the inheritance that should have been Esau's coming through from Isaac, uh, from Abraham and Isaac, went to Jacob. And you can read some of those stories in Genesis. And it's like some of the descendants of Esau carried on that vein of bitterness and gripiness that they'd lost their birthright. It's almost like the promised land, which was the birthright of the Israelites, their inheritance in God, is like they're still fed up that, uh, that the Israelites are going to get it, and they're on the way to get it in the wilderness. And it's like they've had enough. It's like they've just come out of nowhere and attacked them. And don't want God's people to inherit what God's people are entitled to. The enemy is attacking them to stop them uh, obtain all that God's promised them. Which is quite like our life, really, isn't it? It's quite like what Christian life can be like, knowing that we have enemies that want to stop us achieving all that God would have for us, all that God has got for you. If we could move the slide on, there's a quote here from Alan Mateer. There's no such thing in the Bible as easy progress, victory without cost, or access on earth to some supposed higher life where striving sacrificially against foes inside and out is a thing of the past. You know, we're hearing some of the the battles uh, as people are giving their testimony, some of the battles they've been facing in life. You know, sort of classically expressed, we often talk about, you know, life throws things up at us just randomly. It often feels unfair, you know, from uh, money issues, employment difficulties, you know, relationship troubles. You know, things come at us in life that we wish we didn't have, you know, hit us. So we feel like we're moving along, all right, life's good, life's good, and something comes out, some illness or something throws itself at us, some health rise, financial troubles. You know, uh, life, the flesh, which is a bit of an odd phrase, but where our own character weaknesses and defects and the sins we struggle in seem to always pull us down from what God would want us to achieve in him and we're always feeling woe is me and I can't break through and uh, I'm struggling to sort of really move on in how I feel God would want me to live in Jesus to become more and more like him and of course the, the devil himself the really sneaky one quite happy to sort of have a you know put the knife in the back to sort of uh, stab you from behind sneakily that sort of wants to kill and steal and destroy Jesus told us 
And, uh, you know, it, without those forces, if you like, which are real uh, and true, it's like surely life would be much easier. Surely we have the heart and the will to sort of get on and do something great for God as a church, to grow in Jesus, if you're a Christian, to become more like him. And yet so often, so many of our good intentions, some of the ministry stuff that we do, some of the outreach we do, some of the things we plan to church, they don't quite go according to plan. They don't, we don't feel that they achieve as much as maybe we'd like them to. And often that's because there's a battle, there's a fight going on. The Israelites just wanted to mosey along to the promised land and out of nowhere they get attacked by an ancient enemy. And they've got to turn around and fight and win a battle before they can move on in the rest of what God's got for them. And so I often think we can feel that as we engage in the battle, we just do what Joshua did. We just engage in hand-to-hand combat. We get the sword out, we start trying harder. We put more time and effort and energy into something. We, you know, gain advice. We talk to people saying, uh, you know, what should I do about this? How, you know, this doesn't seem to be going so well. You know, what can we change? What can we do differently? What can we try next? Can we throw more money at something and make it work? You know, you have financial issues, you talk to the bank manager, you have issues with uh, kids having trouble at school, you talk to the teacher, you have health issues, you talk to the doctor. But do you talk to God? Now, of course, none of those things are wrong. And we just had a great testimony from Alfredo about uh, Vincenzo, wasn't it? I knew it was Vincenzo, he's one of a twin, and I always get him confused. Vincenzo, where of course you're, um, you're going to the doctor, of course you go to the doctor but you pray as well. And I remember praying for Vincenzo. I remember being part of that. It was wonderful to hear the story. So Joshua goes and fights with the sword. And of course, as part of the whole way we want to do things and keep learning and growing as a church and in our lives. But Moses goes up the hill and intercedes. And how often, actually, do we forget that that's where the battle is won? Now, I'm sure you pray... I'm sure so often if something goes wrong in life, you pray about it. But do we really always pray with real conviction, with real strength, like it really is resting on God that he really does have all the answers? Sometimes, no doubt, I'm sure. Reflecting on my own life, I think there have been some times where to the best of my ability, you know how you think, I did really wrestle with God and stuff, often around family stuff with my children and needs there. And you think, no, I saw God come through. But how often do you think, you know, you pray a bit, then you go off and try to sort the thing out yourself and just move on. If I have the next, uh, next quote. Let our lack of prayer convict us of the coolness in our own Christian life that lies at the root of it. Sometimes maybe we need to be honest with ourselves that we love Jesus, we love God, we want to see his kingdom come, we love to see his blessing in our own lives, and yet something of our lack of watchfulness and prayer indicates that maybe we're not quite as bothered and quite as convicted as maybe we could be and should be. Now listen, we can always say that, can't we? It's a bit of a dangerous thing to say because you can easily feel condemned. But I really felt this was a time to the start of 40 days to bring something of this to us. There's always a sense which you can look back and go, I probably could have prayed a bit more. That's not necessarily a helpful way of thinking. 
You've got to engage with God to know what's really on your heart. But I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we can look back, if you've been a Christian for five minutes or, you know, or 50 years or whatever, you look back and see often there's a lack of watchfulness, a lack of prayerfulness. We live in a world that doesn't think of spiritual things. We lose sight of that need to climb up the hill, of lift our hands with the authority God's given us before him and see battles won. The other part of the quote here in the same bit, sorry, if we can go back. Many of our expressions of love and efforts in ministry, talking about almost like the world of church, maybe a bit more than just personally, are comparatively vain because there is so little real intercession connected with it. That's a good thing to question. I think, you know, the guys do, of course we do pray. We do have church prayer meetings. We pray for the things that we do. We pray for the life of the church. But does it really often feel like what Leslie wanted to bring to us, like we've dropped an atomic bomb on the world of darkness or that we've ticked a few boxes to be good Christians? You know, I speak to myself. Sometimes where's the, where's the passion? Where's the breakthrough? All the things that are on our hearts to see happen, where's the victory going to be won if we want to grow as a church? We want to be a growing, thriving, diverse church, the prayer diary sort of... That's part of our vision statement, a prayer diary, sort of prayers along those lines. We want passion and conviction to engage in those things, don't we? So, that's a challenge. It's a real challenge to us. And it co- we flow in and out of challenge, but of course there's a huge privilege as well. That the whole point is God is calling us to engage with him so that we can see victories. This is why this story was given, as we'll sort of go on to see. If we can move the... Um, so I love this quote, partly because it's so wrong, if you like. So, the sustained prayer of Moses was the secret ingredient securing the military victory of Joshua. This is a commentator, Alan is a great commentator on the Bible, I really uh, respect. But this is totally wrong, isn't it? It's not secret at all. That's the whole point of the story. It's not secret. We know we've just got to engage more fully and strongly. It's not secret. Moses goes up. Everyone can see him. When his hands drop, they start losing. When his hands go up in prayer, uh, he, they start winning again. Oh, it's when he's praying. It's when he's interceding. That's when the victory comes. Uh, we go and see. Then he, they tell Joshua, write it down. There's nothing secret about this at all. And that's why the story is given to us. Yeah, it's interesting to note that Moses is recorded as getting tired when he's praying. And he took Aaron and her up and they sat him on a stone and other people held his hands up. And obviously the whole thing's got a lot of illustration. Uh, it's very pictorial. You know, Joshua and his guys are swinging a sword down below and they don't get recorded as getting tired. Sometimes we need to be uh, sort of almost more honest. That it's hard work to pray. Jesus, in I, I just think one of the most succinct and you know, unsurprisingly brilliant teachings of, on prayer from Jesus in Gethsemane to his disciples says the spirit's willing but the body's weak. And I would imagine that most of you now listening to me, your spirit's willing. You're saying yes and amen. I want to pray and I want to see the breakthrough and victories run in my own life and in the life of the church. And we need to hear Jesus' words to us again and again as that, that challenge. So much that matter of fact, you've got to know your spirit's willing and in so many ways your body's weak. He said it to his disciples as they fell asleep to not pray with him through Gethsemane. And we need to take heart even from that story that Jesus wins the victory. We must rely on him and on his spirit. This isn't just a try harder thing. We will tire quickly. And Jesus' disciples fall asleep. 
that he sees it through. He wins the strength to go to the cross, to die on our behalf, to be raised again three days later. It's a good job he did, isn't it? He didn't give up where basically every one of us does fail and find the body is weak in so many ways in life. But we pick ourselves up again and trust him, don't we? We keep going. But we do need each other. And Moses was uh, sitting down on the, the, the stone and he had his mates lift his hands up. Even Jesus in Gethsemane wanted his disciples to pray with him and they failed. He keeps going, we need each other. If, if you are going to strengthen and your own prayer life in faith and sort of conviction, you're going to have to pray with others. And maybe you even feel, maybe your spirit's beginning to go, I'm willing, I'd love to engage more with this uh, journey of prayer. Again, I think one of Leslie's phrases like, God invites us into to this. And you're thinking, I hardly know how to pray, I hardly know where to start. I feel like I'll say two words and 30 seconds later I'll be all finished. How do you pray? Come to the prayer meetings. Come and pray with others. Be praying in your connect groups and connect communities. We need to be praying together and learning from each other and encouraging each other and some of the, the zeal and the sort of faith in the prayer meetings that we have can then spill over and help you in your own personal prayer life. And of course then praying yourselves will hopefully stir you to say, now I really want to go and pray with others as well. And it all sort of, well, if you like, I mean, it is a battle, it is a fight. I don't mean, mean to make it sound suddenly dead easy, but we will build some momentum and faith and strength in God. And I do believe these 40 days are a real opportunity for us. It's challenging, but a real privilege for us as a church to almost re-engage with God as a church. I've been part of this church uh, coming up for 18 years. I love it. I've been to loads of prayer meetings here. I've prayed at you know, a greater, lesser extent for 18 years. And it's a great church, right? God loves us. He is with us, not against us. But I do feel there's something if we have 40 days to, if you like, create some focus, create some joining together, to rethink what is it we want to see as a church and how much is my life remembering to fight on the mountaintop as well as down on the ground with a sword to just re-engage with God. And obviously we're going to go beyond 40 days, but there's a period, a great privilege for you and I to engage together, to pray through the, the diary um, the sort of first week of the 40 days, there's quite a few meetings, morning and evening. Please come along, get to something, particularly tomorrow night if you can, to come and all be together to really kick it off. And, but then after that, we, you know, the, we have got real lives to lead as well. We have less meetings um, because we can't maintain probably that uh, energy just in terms of life. But there's a few more meetings, but praying through the diary, praying together with others. And we'll be giving them out in a second. And... Uh, uh, you know, to sort of engage with that. So please, I was uh, one of the things I was thinking was, um, it's, it'd almost be like something of a detox for us, this 40 days. I was maybe one of the phrases in my head that, um, you know, some of you have been praying for years, right? Some of you, you love God, you've been Christians years. Maybe some of you new Christians, you've been praying for less time, but it's almost like we will come together, you'll know others in the church, will be doing the same thing. You'll be at meetings a bit more often, praying together. It's almost like we can flush out some of the lack of faith prayer stuff in us, some of the lack of conviction that has gone on. Even as we have been praying, it's like we can flush some of the stuff out that just isn't so strong and healthy where God would have us be. So come and get into this 40 days of prayer. Come and join with others in it. Come and make the meetings. I've had the, what is almost the last slide, please. 
No, I forgot all about this one. So uh, Dave already went through this. So we see the church. I'll be really quick on this. Dave did covered it already, actually. The early church clearly knew the need and the power to pray together. And actually, Dave literally referred to some of these things. Acts 1 and 2, you see the church gathering to pray. They didn't just start cracking on with stuff as soon as Jesus had you know, ascended to heaven. They prayed and waited for the Holy Spirit. And part of the result of that, Acts 2.42, says they were then devoted to prayer. And I, I just picture some of the... When you look at that and the intensity in Acts, some of it, and you see devoted to prayer, you think... We are, we've got somewhere to go, don't you? Acts 4 was when the, some of the apostles um, had been uh, arrested and then they got released and they gathered the church together. They prayed, God, we need more boldness, more of your spirit. The building was shaken and they went out and preached the word of God boldly. Acts 12, which is where Pete, as Dave knew him, or the apostle Peter to the rest of us, uh, he, was, um, he was in prison. And this phrase, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And then the angel appears and leads him out. And Acts 13, uh, church leaders were gathered together praying. It was in that context that God spoke, send Barnabas and Paul for the work I've called them to. And uh, basically almost global mission began, you might say. The church gathered and prayed. And we need to gather and pray. The story finishes... Uh, that we were reading, that after the battle's been won, it was covered in comparative little detail, wasn't it? No details of the battle, just basically hands up, win, hands down, don't win, get people up, lift their hands up, battle won. And this bit almost takes up more time uh, in the sort of the length of the story. So the Lord afterwards says to Moses, write this, as in all that's just happened, on a scroll. Just to say it's not that usual to have... God speak, write it down. Obviously the Bible was written down, but often it was through spoken. It's almost like, no, this is really, really important, guys. Write it down. Write it on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. Well, because Joshua's been fighting hard. Sometimes you're fighting hard. You've got to hear it. Oh, I thought I was doing really well. It was actually Moses was doing all the real work. Well, not quite all the real work. We've got to engage, yeah? But it's like Joshua, he's going to be leading the Israelites into the promised land. He's going to be uh, leading all the battles. It's like all the time, oh, but I remember where it's really won. Make sure Joshua hears about it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Amalekites... Uh, were an ancient enemy. As they almost come out of the, the, the roots of East, almost like stopping the people of God from gaining their inheritance, like I talked about at the start. We will always have, because a generation to generation battle, God tells us. There's always battle trying to stop us taking our inheritance and all that God calls us to, from individually, family and as a church. God's warned us, God's told us, it's there. From generation to generation, but His promise I will blot him out. There's victory. And Moses made an altar and did it from the battle and said, the Lord is my ba- banner. When the battle comes, you rally to the banner. It's like the ancient standard, the ensign. It's like the Lord. When the battle comes, don't first rush to the doctor, the teacher, or even the pastor, if you ever think of doing that. <laughs> rally to the Lord. In prayer, that's where we go. Of course, we do loads of other things as well, but rally to the Lord. He is our banner. And these 40 days, this is a a time for us to rally to the Lord and join together in prayer. Okay, 
Thank you. We're, we're going to pray uh, together, to pray for ourselves in a second, to pray that God would help us, knowing that the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Um, if we have the last verse up, this is kind of like, I think, the New Testament teaching on the truths revealed in that Old Testament story. I've skipped the whole middle section out, as some of you know, armour of God stuff. So from Ephesians, a New Testament letter, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have a battle, and it's spiritual fundamentally in nature, not just try hard and work harder. So he goes on to say, put all on the armour of God. Then by verse 18, he goes, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is what, of course, we always want to be doing, but particularly in these 40 days. And that verse is going to stay up and help us pray for each other in a second. But um, I think what we're going to do now, the moment you've been waiting for, we're going to pass the prayer divers out. So... And uh, I think we'll, what are we can do, well, pass them around, we'll, we'll get them out. As they're, they're going out, obviously. So what I really love with it is take the, the prayer diary, but obviously take it with a sense of commitment and conviction that you are going to pray, that it's kind of a, it's a given to you, not another piece of paper, it is paper, but just not another piece of paper, but a kind of it's given to you as a commission to join with the whole of the rest of the church in praying for 40 days. You know, so each day's got a prayer point and all the rest of it. The meetings are in there. Hopefully, you know, it's all kind of, it's packaged well to tell you all you need to know, all the information. But you take it with that I'm receiving this as a commission to join in and pray, to be a part of this thing, to be a part of the church and the 40 days of prayer. So they're all getting passed out and passed around.